welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 78. I'm Mike Natal. And I'm Ryan Nilsson. We're your hosts, and today we're talking with Mark Johannesson and Jonathan McKee. We've had Mark on before. He is the North American Missions Youth Ministries Communication Coordinator, and he's a returning guest. He's been in episodes 28 and 40. Mark and I think maybe he was in another one too, but we could not figure it out. So if you know it, let us know and we'll send you a prize. So this is Mark's hat trick right now? Is that what's going on right here? So he caught up to Gretchen Ranovic, huh? So either Mark, you need to get your fourth in before Gretchen does, or Gretchen, you need to step your game up and get your fourth in before Mark does. It's kind of like Settlers of Catan, you know, currently longest road is tied. Therefore, it goes to Gretchen. However, if Mark gets to it first, then he gets longest road. (laughs) Sorry. There's a great reference. 5% of our listeners will get. That's great. Mark is the associate pastor at True Life CLB Church in Rochester, Minnesota. He's employed part-time by the CLB to encourage national youth ministry efforts. He's married to Wendy, and he's the father of Ella, who's in ninth grade. He loves Slurpees and the Twins and Star Wars. He's a grieving former Jeep owner. He sold his Jeep that he's had for, what, 75 years? 20. 20 years. Tragic, yes. We're all feeling the loss with Mark, but Mark is bringing a special guest with him today, Jonathan McKee. Jonathan, thanks so much for being a part of that. Just a quick intro on Jonathan. Jonathan is the author of over 25 books, including the new book, Parenting Generation Screen, which is an Amazon bestseller, The Guy's Guide to God, Girls, and the Phone in Your Pocket. Jonathan speaks to parents, leaders worldwide, and he provides helpful tips about teens and screens on his website, becomingscreenwise.com. He is a dad, and he too, he loves Star Wars. Uh, Jonathan met some of our youth workers at Youth Specialties National Youth Workers Convention in 2019. So pre-pandemic, Youth Specialties is gathering of about 5,000 youth workers. And we had a lunch. And during our lunch, Jonathan made a great presentation to our youth workers. We were doing that in pre-planning or looking forward to him presenting at what was supposed to be our 21 biennial convention, but that was postponed and pushed back to 22. And he is the presenter of that at uh, the 2022 Church of Lutheran Brethren Youth Worker Continuing Education, which is happening on June 11th. There's really two topics that he will present on, helping teens become smarter than their smartphone and connecting with overconnected kids. We're excited to be giving away 40 copies of Jonathan's new book, Parenting Generation Screen, to the first 40 youth workers who register for that event. You can register for that event by going to the show notes, and they'll show the web link that you can find to register for. If you go on the Church of Lutheran Brothers page, go to North American Mission, then Youth Ministries, you'll be able to find that link as well. Welcome in, Jonathan. It's great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So we like to start out our podcast a little jovial, I suppose. And Mark, I don't think you've answered this new question, given that both of you let's move on emphatically said that you're Star Wars fans, which is actually the only correct answer to give when asked that. But now (laughs) we actually ask a new question. And so, Mark, if you've already been asked this question, I apologize. So I think Mm -hmm. I can pose this question to both of you. So, Jonathan, I'm going to let you go first. What was your favorite childhood cartoon? Oh, man, that's really good. I like that. Childhood cartoon. Man, the first thing that popped in my head is probably just because I feel like when my brother and I got home from school and we'd eat our post-school bowl of cereal, which if we were lucky was Cocoa Puffs. (laughs) We'd be sitting there, you know, munching on Cocoa Puffs watching Scooby-Doo. I mean, 
How else can you spend an afternoon? I was like, those are the good old days, man, right there. And I think he would kind of sometimes be like, like if I only had some more Cocoa Puffs, and I'd be like, right. You know, and I mean, we just, we really kind of got into it. It was fun. We both thought, you know, Patty and Selma were hot. Uh, I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. But anyway, I was going to say, I think you're allowed to say that, but those voiceovers that you just did were so accurate. We may actually get flagged for copyright infringement. I don't know how good my shaggy was. (laughs) That was my brother's uh, role there, but I would definitely always do the scoob. That was fun. Nice. What about you, Mark? Favorite uh, childhood cartoon? I was going to say Transformers, but then I actually had to kind of second guess myself. And I'm going to go with River Voltron. Yo, nice. The five that came together oh, to make with the one yes. super robot. That probably would have been my favorite. That's extra nerdy. I like that. That's really Sweet. good. Sweet. Solid. It. Jonathan, we're really excited to have you here today. And I was looking at your website, becomingscreenwise.com, and you've got some great resources over there. And I watched an interview that you did on a show on the topics we're covering today. And you made a comment about how there's some wonderful benefits to technology. But there are some things that can get out of hand. There are definitely some dangers and things that we need to be careful about when it comes to technology. Could you just share with us a little bit, what are some of the dangerous impacts of technology, especially smartphones? That's a great question because honestly, I mean, I bet all four of us here as we're talking on this podcast, we all have smartphones in our back pocket. This is something we have. This is something that many of us, our kids have. This is something that grandma even has, you know, in her purse. It's not that smartphones are bad. It's not that they're evil. They're actually really handy devices for getting us to point A to point B, really handy devices for connecting with people outside the room. Where it becomes a problem is when it starts to interfere with our relationship with the people inside the room. And so much of what I end up talking about is whether I'm doing a school assembly and I'm talking to young people about that, I'm like, hey, this is a great device for connecting with people outside the room when it doesn't interfere with our relationships with our friends inside the room or our family inside the room. And that's what happens often is it's kind of hindering communication. But there's a second danger that is kind of a newer thing that we're starting to see grow. And and by newer, I mean, in the greater history of mankind. I mean, a cell phone hasn't been around for a long time. We don't have a lot of data. And the smartphone pretty much was kind of a thing starting about 2007, because that's when that guy wearing jeans and white sneakers walked out on the stage and made an announcement. And he said, <laughs> hey, we're going to reinvent the phone today. That was Steve Jobs. And he held up this little device that people hadn't seen yet. It was called an iPhone. And literally, that was January 2007. By 2012, and when you think about the greater history of the human race, within five-year period, half of pretty much, for sure, half of America, but half of the world had adopted and had smartphones in their back pocket. Mm. 2012 is also the year that Instagram came out. 2012 is the year that Snapchat came out. It's actually the year that Instagram became a thing. It came out before that. So 2012 was also this year where social media got in our back pocket. And from 2012 till now, we've seen an increase in teen suicide, in depression, in anxiety, So much to the point that experts are kind of scratching their heads and going, what is going on? In less than a decade, we're seeing kids going bonkers. What's going on? And they started to do some research. And the conclusion really is this social media thing. I mean, to summarize, and we can get into more detail, but it's not how much time they're spending on Netflix. It's not video games. It's not chatting with grandma. But social media, specifically, when we're posting stuff, and it's being rated and thumbs up or thumbs down when people can comment on our stuff, when we're evaluating how many friends and followers do I have, any site that does that kind of stuff 
doesn't make us feel too good about ourselves the more time we spend on it. And so that's what experts are starting to recognize. And they're saying, we need to pay attention to that. So that's one of the things I'm helping try to spread the word about. Jonathan, how have you seen technology, phones impact teens and families? It's funny because I kind of mentioned two different areas. One, this communication that gets hindered because we're all staring at our own screens. And then there's this effect of social media on our psyche. And I'd say in both those, we've seen smartphones cause a negative effect to family dynamics. Uh, Let's talk about that first area, that communication in the room. We now live in a world where the typical mom or dad spends more time on a screen than they do with their spouse and their kids. And this is the world kids are growing up in. We always sit there and point at kids as how much screen time they have. Most adults actually clock in more screen time. This is backed up, all right? Most adults clock in more screen time than young people. Young people, uh, Common Sense Media, for example, adds up all the hours of entertainment media that young people are on per day. When you add up all the TV, all the internet, all the, I mean, name it, when you add up the YouTube, the online videos they're watching, the TikTok videos, name it. Last time they even did that count, by the way, was 2019. So it's hilarious how out of date that might actually be because of how much TikTok has grown since then or whatever. But last count, nine hours and about 40 minutes per day was the average that young people spent on their screen. Where Nielsen has been adding up the hours that adults spend on entertainment and technology. And the numbers always range to 10 plus, even 11 plus hours a day, the average adult spends on screens. And if you think about that, that's not a lot of time for face-to-face communication. I mean, that's not a lot of time to eat dinner with each other, to engage in conversation with each other, to go on a walk outside, to take your dog for a walk. So now if you stepped into the typical American household at 7 p.m., you see dad sitting in front of a big screen, mom maybe sitting next to him, but she's also scrolling through her smaller screen. You go upstairs to the bedrooms, you got the daughter definitely on a screen looking at social media, usually TikTok or Instagram. Then you've got the son in another room playing video games and the dog is on a treadmill because no one will take him for a walk. You know, I mean, this, this is the typical family at 7 p.m. And so, yeah, It's big time affecting the dynamics of the family and add to that the fact that especially mom and daughter are on those devices, they're making some posts and they can't help but think, hey, I posted this, but I don't have as many likes or as followers as my friends do. And why not? Am I not good enough? And why do I look so fat in that picture? And and I start to have these feelings And this is what we need to be aware of. Again, it's not to throw these devices away, but start paying attention to this. And there's some things we can do to make a difference and watch out for these negative outcomes. That's really fascinating to think through that. I don't know if you heard or if you can speak into this or not, but I actually watched a TED talk probably about six months to a year ago that talked about how the buzz or the the notification that you get, they have related it to like the endorphins that you get while you're high on drugs. Have you heard about that? Yeah, there's some fascinating research when you get into the, to studying the brain and all this. And and there's, I mean, there was that pretty cool documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Oh, you called that pretty cool? That was so nerve wracking for me to watch. I was like, 
<laughs> can I say pretty informative? Yeah. Then? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was pretty informative and they had a lot of experts chiming in. The thing I liked is there were some of these guys who created some of these algorithms and stuff talking about, hey, I used to work for, and they would name, you know, I worked for Google, I worked for Facebook, whatever. And my job was to try to keep people on the screen as long as possible. And I didn't realize some of the side effects. I didn't realize what I was creating. And it was interesting because, you know, flashbacks to some of the minds behind the A-bomb. I mean, as you sit there and go, well, I didn't realize we were trying to create one thing and we didn't think about the effects. And it's interesting. I have a friend who's a pastor who just compared what we're doing right now to when miners used to carry a canary with them into the mines because the canary would kind of like die because there was like, oh, that canary's dead. This isn't safe. And that's kind of what we're doing with our young people right now is, is we're kind of like throwing this out and testing it. And our daughters specifically are really paying for it right now because they're mm-hmm. the ones who are being absolutely affected by it. that documentary, The Social Dilemma. For example, there was one guy by the name of Dr. Jonathan Haidt who was on there and he and Dr. Gene Twenge both did an amazing thing before the pandemic. There was so much debate about how does this stuff affect us? Is screen time all bad? And there were some experts saying, stop harping on screen time. Others are saying, no, the more screen time you spend, the more. And there was kind of a question to, okay, if I'm hearing this debate on both sides, who do we believe? And so Dr. Gene Twinge and Dr. Jonathan Haidt, they said, hey, let's find out what we all agree on. And so they literally did an open source document on Google going into 2019. And they put all the data together in 2020. And they said, what? When it comes to researching the effects of screen time, what do we agree on? And they agreed on two things, and this is pretty powerful. So right as COVID's going on, they're putting this research together from pre-COVID data. And they said, okay, here's two things that we agree on. First, there's absolutely a mental health crisis going on right now. Everybody agreed on that. Something's going on that's spiking depression, anxiety, suicide. First thing we agree on, that. Secondly, If you look at screen time in general and try to say screen time's bad, there's not a lot of data that supports that. But what they all agreed on is if you narrow it to the effects of social media, especially on girls, the data is very conclusive. And so they made some recommendations coming out of that research. And they said, we need to monitor any types of apps that are out there on our kids' devices where they're being commented, where they're being rated, where there's likes, friends. Those are what we need to pay attention to, especially with our daughters. And we recommend that really when it comes to social media, you only spend about an hour, two at most per day, where young people are averaging way over that. So it's fascinating when you do start getting into the intricacies of some of these studies and seeing what experts are saying. They're saying, hey, if your daughter's up in her bedroom, you know, on TikTok all night, If you're allowing that device in the bedroom, you're in essence allowing them to be on social media as long as they want, because they're getting around all those blocks you tried to put on there. And we can talk about that if you want. So it's a good idea to not let your kids have their devices in their bedroom. For example, there's one thing you could do. And it's a good idea to know how much social media they're on. We need to begin these conversations with our kids. This is a great segue into our next question. I hear you mention a lot about family dynamics. So if I can ask kind of a personal question, what rules and practices do you have in your home? Or even like, what do you recommend to families who come to you and say, you know, Jonathan, I have this concern. How would you help them through that? Well, it's funny that you say in my home, because my kids are now 24, 26, and 28. And my daughter, Alyssa, who's my 26-year-old, who is actually a admissions counselor at a college, she wrote 
a book with me, The Teen's Guide to -to Face-to-Face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen World. And when we wrote that book, she talked a lot about her experience growing up because she was in the middle of high school in 2012 when social media all of a sudden got in their back pockets. And for her, she shared a little bit about how communication as we knew it changed because she used to text all the time, but that's kind of what there was. There was texting. And then if you did social media, you'd go home on a screen that was usually connected to a wall. And that's what social media was. But starting in 2012, all of a sudden her friends had Instagram in their pocket. They had Snapchat in their pocket. And she said, it was amazing how communication changed. And then as she went off to college, where she actually worked as a youth counselor with high school kids. So she's still hanging out with high school kids. And then she becomes an admissions counselor while working with high school kids at her church. And she's an admissions counselor. And this whole time seeing this going on, she's like going, what's going on with young people here? Because now you walk in a room and there's five kids in a room together and none of them are talking with each other. They've all got their faces buried in the screen. And my daughter was sitting there kind of going, this is weird. So she wrote about this. She confessed a little about her own experiences on Instagram, how Instagram made her feel. And she was very honest about how she took a fast from Instagram because it just made her feel like she constantly had to measure up to something. And and it was affecting how she felt about herself. So it was funny that when you ask about my family dynamics, you know, my youngest daughter was the only one who had social media in her back pocket all through high school. So it was interesting to see the switch from my oldest to my youngest. And now as I talk with families about this and I share what my daughter said, and as I share what research is showing, it is one of those things where Probably the the biggest thing that I'm communicating to families out there is that we need to start talking about this. And that's not the question families are asking. The questions moms and dads are asking is, what do I do to make my kid's phone safe? Tell me what blocks to put on my kid's phone so it'll make it safe. And that's the wrong question. And the reason I'm saying it's the wrong question is because blocks alone do not work. Listen to what I said. Blocks alone do not work. I'm not saying block. I actually, in my book, Parenting Generation Screen, I talk about here's some very helpful guardrails you can put on your kid's phone, this and that, you know. But I've talked with these guys that are so high tech and they're like, I disabled our router at the router level to where at 8 p.m. it uh, does exactly this and it, it shuts down at the circuit board exactly that, you know. And these guys are full on nerds. And I'm like, well, what if your kid's, uh, click off the router and just use their AT&T signal. Well, I have contacted AT&T at the, uh, at the executive level and I have all AT&T in the entire... And, and finally, I'm like, well, what if they're hanging out with their friends? Do your kids... Do you have friends, right? Not you, because I know you don't, but do your kids have any friends? I didn't really say that to the guy. Uh, but do your kids have friends? Yes. Do you let them out of the house? Okay, good, good. <laughs> so what do you do if your kid's friend walks up and says, hey, check this out? and hands them their phone. You know, do you have a drone that's flying above your son's head that zaps their friends with lasers? I'm just, and my point is simply this, we can't block everything. And any expert will tell you, you can't block everything. You can do some really good things. Let me give you one right now. Parents are saying, okay, give me one. Okay, ready? Here we go. I'll refer to it again. Say no devices in the bedroom. That's a huge help. If you sit there and say, hey, it's nighttime, We provide a nice service for you as mom and dad. And that is, we're going to charge your phone for you. We're going to get it all charged up the next day. This is a free service we provide as mom and dad. Give it to us. We'll do this. We'll charge it in our master bedroom (laughs) closet. And yes, we have uh, crushed several light bulbs on the wood floor in front of the closet there. So we can hear you walking into the closet in the middle of the night. That's the case because they will. They'll try. They're going to Tom Cruise themselves and lower themselves 
on bungee cords in that master closet just to get their device to see how their most recent post on Instagram is. They, they will do that. But, but that's one of those things you can do that helps a little bit. But the main thing we need to do, mom and dad, is we need to start talking about this. We need to start having conversations about this. At dinner time. we ourselves need to put our own devices away. We need to say, hey, let's talk about this. Hey, we all saw that Netflix documentary together. So let's talk about that. Isn't that interesting how they compared us reaching for our screen as to the same feeling we get with slot machines? That's interesting. Do you feel like it's like that with social media for you? Engage our kids in these conversations. That's why when I wrote Parenting Generation Screen, I put discussion questions at the end of the chapter. I talk about how do we bring this up with our kids? How do we listen to our kids about this? How do we create these conversations? Because we need to start talking about this as a family. And a lot of families feel like, maybe I don't know where to start this conversation. That's why I provide these books. These books are the type of things that, that engage your families in conversation about this because we've got to start talking about it. Thanks, Jonathan, for sharing that uh, wisdom for families. That, you know, as a parent of teenagers, I you know re- resonate with the benefit of boundaries and good advice. Really appreciate it. We probably have some youth workers listening to the show too. What insights do you think are valuable for youth workers to be aware of when it comes to technology? Well, first of all, I would say this is something that we don't just preach. This is something we need to model, and that's advice to youth workers and moms and dads alike. We can teach what we know, but we can only mm-hmm. really reproduce who we are. And I'm going to be very candid. One of the biggest problems I think I had when my kids were in the home was I don't think I was a good model of so much of this stuff. And I think for a lot of us, we need to have maybe a come to Jesus moment where we need to really just surrender ourselves to God when it comes to helping raise young people and youth workers. If you've had that calling, this is one of those things where we need to just surrender to God and be like, God, I cannot do this without you. And we need to completely say, God, I want you to renew me and make me completely dependent on you because we ourselves get caught up in how many friends and followers we have and how much time we're spending on screens. And let's be honest, there's a lot of distractions on those screens too that can kind of you know, just lure us away from where we really should be. And, and if we're experiencing some of that, this is one of those times where we need to maybe say, okay, God, um, you know, this particular area of my life right now where I need to submit this to you. And as God does that in our own lives, and slowly it's a process and he slowly starts to sanctify us in that area. It's one of those things where our kids that we work with and our own personal kids are going to recognize that. And they're going to recognize that humility as we come to them as a fellow struggler, honestly, and say, Hey, you know what? Screens are distracting sometimes. How do we not let this thing run our life? How do we become wise with our screen? How do we become screen wise? And that's one of the biggest things as a youth worker we can do is point to truth. Matter of fact, I think as a dad, one of the things I did is I was so busy pointing out the lies that I forgot to always be pointing out the truth. And sometimes the best way for our kids to recognize the lies is to know the truth so well that we need to be really good about helping our kids open the Bible and see who we are. And if we're teaching our kids Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and when Jesus talked to the people of the day about you know what a relationship with God really looked like, and you look at some of those things, it's so contrary to what you see on TikTok today. So contrary to what you see on so many Insta posts that we don't need to sit there and go, TikTok's bad. Look how bad Insta is. We don't really even need to do that. If we can teach them the truth, they're going to recognize those lies. And that's the best thing we can do as youth workers and as parents is get our kids 
into scripture and help them in their relationship with God so they get to know a real God and know what it's like to take up their cross daily and follow him. Because when they're doing that, when they're immersed in truth, they're going to recognize the lies. Jonathan, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. For the youth workers that are out there, just two quick reminders. We'd love to have you be a part of the Youth Worker Continuing Ed next June. If you can register for that, we'll send you a free copy of Jonathan's newest book. So look in the show notes, you can click that link. And then if you want to search for it on our webpage, look at the CLBA webpage, North American Mission Youth Workers, and you'll be able to find that. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Ryan, how exciting is this for the Forge right now? I'm pretty sure this is the first product we've ever given away on the podcast. Yeah, we've got some more coming down the pike in future episodes, but we're, we are making history here. And I feel privileged. <laughs> Parenting Generation Screen, right? That's the book. There you go. To our listeners, thanks again for tuning into the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show too, so that anytime a new podcast drops, you get a notification. We'd love it if you would share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate this. Peace. We out. Nice. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.